Hello and welcome to Chats the Television Podcast, Season 9, Better Off Chats. My name is Alan, and I am joined by the man who looks just, just dangerous enough to kill a Jonas brother on the spot. <laughs> it's Magellan. And it's going to be Joe. Nick. Oh. I shall replace him as the oldest Jonas. Now I am Jonas. <laughs> Joe Jonas, Jonas. hear me. <laughs> This is my call out to you. You better watch out, Joseph Jonas. (laughs) Like a demon that's risen from hell. Joe Mm -hmm. Jonas, your days are numbered. Which one is married to Priyanka Chopra? I think that's Nick. Nick. Nick Jonas. Oh, Joe Jonas is the one who's married married to Sophie Turner. Wow, good for him. Joe Jonas is the oldest one, right? Isn't that right? Uh, No. Isn't it? Or is he the middle one? Kevin is the oldest, the one that no one talks about. I thought Kevin was the middle one that no one talks about. No, that's just, that's a traditional thing. How old are each of the Jonas Brothers now? No, that's just how age works. I want to know. Fuck, hold on. I need to know this really I badly, think guys. Sorry. you're wrong. Kevin was born in 1987 and is 31. Joe oh. is 29. Nick is 26. Joe's 31. So Kevin's the oldest. Joe's 31. Yeah, and he's the one who's married to Priyanka. Wow, I didn't know Kevin was the oldest one. Yeah. This is kind of messing me up. My whole perception of the Jonas Brothers is completely thrown out of whack. It's funny that now they are known for who they're married to and the fact that they have a lot of money. Whereas at the time of this episode that we're going to be talking about, it was like, oh, the boy band. Yeah, they were huge. They were bigger than than, uh, One Direction. They would know that's not true. Yet. They went to the year three. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry to be mean, but that that's objectively not true. They were bigger at the time than One Direction was at the time. One Direction was the BTS of their era. Wow, I just said a spicy thing. Oh, I'm gonna okay. get so much hate mail. <laughs> I think BTS is the in sync for a modern generation. They're bigger than in sync, though. This is the thing about numbers is they grow exponentially over time. Okay. So whoever replaces BTS is gonna be bigger than BTS. Isn't that crazy to think about? Because there's more people on the earth. But did you do you ever think about the fact that uh everybody thought that iTunes and like streaming music would make it impossible to be a megastar? You know what huh? I mean? Huh, I guess. Because like when people can listen to literally anything, then people's listening habits are gonna be totally and when access is much easier to any artist, people's listening habits, in theory, would become much more splintered. Uh, but not so, because you, you ba- have megastars that are even more mega than than they used to be. Bad Bunny still the number one artist of all time on Spotify, if I'm not mistaken. Right. People always forget that's exactly why they do a country-by-country country top chart and then a world top chart is everyone's like, yeah, it's the song that we all know, right? That was on the radio. And then the world chart kicks down the door and they're like, what's up, shit lords? <laughs> <laughs> people, more people speak Spanish than you think. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, anyways, hi, everybody. <laughs> We're here. This is the yeah. music podcast. <laughs> music and trends. I'm Rishi, Ricky, Rishi, Rishi, Rishi Kesh. Rishi Kesh Yeah. <laughs> and this is Song Exploder. Uh, no, this is Better Off Chats, the TV show podcast. Hosted by Alan and Magellan. Hey, uh, what's up? What's up is two more episodes of Better Off Ted, the 2009 to 2010 sitcom that we watch. Mmm. Mmm, it's delicious. This week on Better Off Chats, we watched season two, episode nine of Better Off Ted, The Long and Winding High Road. Long we also watched season two. and Winding High Road. We also watched season two, episode 10, Lust in Translation. Lost in Translation. 
Li Shalachamel. <laughs> Director of the episode. You bet. You bet. I know you love saying that one every time. Uh, uh, the Long and Winding High Road, though, is the one we're going to discuss first. That episode was written and directed by two separate and distinct Michaels, specifically written by Michael A. Ross <laughs> and directed by Mike Spiller. Uh-huh. Um, this episode aired January 12th, 2010, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the same day as, I think, Change We Can't Believe In? One of the episodes we discussed last week. So we discussed Change We Can't block. Believe in like three weeks ago or something. I don't. That was I, an old again, one. I said this last week. I throw out the episodes as soon as we stop watching them. Yeah. Um, but can you actually tell me for this episode, which we did watch and we are going to discuss what happened in the Long and Winding Highway? Sure. Please. I would love to. So the first episode here uh okay long winding high road in this episode ted tries to take the high road with one of his bitter rivals in research and development after they come up with competing products while phil and lem search for a scapegoat after they break the lab thermostat so a couple of corrections for myself i'm issuing a formal correction again okay uh this episode aired the same night as the impertinence of communicationizing and oh to correct God. you, change we can't believe in was only two episodes ago, not three episodes. Eat shit. All right. Um, <laughs> okay, we're both continue. so we're both wrong. We're both wrong. We can both enjoy being in the wrong spectrum. Oh together. my God! What did you think about when the long they, and winding high road? When do they stop airing this show? By the way, because when does this stop? No, Get me off they, of Mr. The Frog's fact that they are, keep doing two in a night sucks. Yeah. And again, the more I found, like Alan Sepinwall, one of my favorite TV critics, mm-hmm. uh, was reviewing this episode, this show as it was airing. Mm-hmm. And even in this point in the show, he was like, "Yeah, this one's gonna finish its run, right?" Not not as uh, disparaging as other reviews I found, but definitely like this is. I think this is it. That um, so we're in we're in January 2010. The show ends in August. What? <laughs> There's a jump. Mess of a Salesman is January 26th, and then 12 and 13 Aaron. Oh, because of remember. How it was weird, the ending like didn't air. And then they just put it out randomly when they had some time? Like on str- I think it was on on, on oh, streaming services and DVD exclusively. When it came to streaming and DVD. Wow. Yes, 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 yes. Well look, wow, we'll dig into that, that more when we get there. Yeah. It does suck. Shows canceled too soon, but also as we've said before, maybe not soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. Uh long and winding high road. I I thought this episode was fine. I think it's a, mm-hmm. a enjoyable one, uh, sort of inoffensive. Uh, I definitely liked the second one better, and you know we'll talk about that when we get to it. But um, I was amused by this episode, and I think that it uh, I think that it uses Rose in a really fun way, and mm-hmm. uh, also has a kind of thematic consistency among its plots. That Better Off Ted doesn't always strike. Maybe it's too on the nose because all of the characters keep saying and talking about the high road. But it it works. It's a you know a nice little kind of moral tale about uh, you know do the right thing, but also the business world and various pressures of working at a corporation make you do immoral things, uh, and then it bites you in the ass later. So I think that I think that it works. Uh, it's it's not the best bit of satire but it was consistently very amusing uh, as an episode i don't know what do you think i did a smart thing this week and i started writing right after the episode ended like during the credit rolling uh credits rolling i wrote my like immediate takes Mm -hmm. so uh because instead of doing outlines i was like i'm just gonna do my immediate takes and then i'll base it off of that so i don't forget what i thought i wrote here overall a fun episode 
damn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it hits the beats of a fun rivalry plot with yeah. Ted and uh, Kevin. Pete. I think it's Pete Gilroy. Is Pete, his name. Pete Gilroy. Uh, the common theme of misunderstandings and competition is all there. The Lemon Phil plot got surprisingly dark, but managed to bounce back successfully. Uh-huh. I like Ted being back on brand, worrying about morals and not just sex. And Veronica and Linda are still the best ship on this show. Yeah. Agreed. It's my live takes. So let's talk about Pete Gilroy, shall we? Sure. Yeah, we'll start with the Ted stuff. Um, so I've he's seen played that, by. Um, I've seen that dude in so many you things. Have seen that dude? Yeah. Have I seen him on a chat show? Probably not. Right. Uh not that I know of. His he. This is yet another one of those TV actors that were like, "Who's that guy?" The actor is Kyle Bornheimer. <laughs> um, so okay. you can Google him on your own time. But basically, what I know him from is he's on the Comedy Bang Bang show a couple times. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which is probably what you know him from. Probably. He was a minor character on Better Call Saul, which I also know him from, uh-huh. and he's been on a bunch of stuff on cable. He's he's one of those dudes doing the work. Yeah. Very funny, very good personality. Kind of cool to have an anti-Ted, like I was saying in my 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 preemptive notes. It's Yeah. You know, it it, it became clearer to me when there was also an neg- an anti uh, Veronica, Veronica yeah. that I was like, "Oh, they are just doing that." And I think it would be cool if they d- dug even more into like what Pete and that woman are doing. Like, are they having their own affairs? And is there another third wafish blonde woman for their <laughs> yeah. crew, whatever? I think what I liked about that setup is that it's not presented as these are the sort of evil versions of Ted and Veronica or something. It's more mm-hmm. like they are the dark reflection of Ted and Veronica. And to them, this is how Ted and Veronica are. Because from Pete's perspective, everything that Ted does is just as bad as what he does right um so it's not it's it's fake it's fake moralizing and backstabbing it whereas i think pete is more like openly pete we are introduced to by being he's the guy who goes to the office refrigerator and goes is this anybody's hoagie anyone no and then he eats the sandwich Mm -hmm. like he's that guy and we're, we're immediately supposed to hate him but like you're saying he's uh like he's just not trying to hide the right he's he's ted without the sort of pretension of oh i'm a good guy who takes the high road yeah that's a good point he goes to uh the honey what is it the beehive um just for the sandwiches and the juice boxes Uh uh-huh i i liked um a couple jokes in relation to this daycare setting i'm glad that they keep bringing this back and and like I don't know, riffing on it because it's actually working for me. Um, and it makes, it gives a good excuse for Rose to be at the office as opposed to it being another bring your kid to work day or something like that. I mean, it kind of abandons the like work life, home life contrast that was sort of prophesied in the first episode, but I think it hits the same beats. But anyway, there's a joke where where I think it's Linda is like, oh, Ted, I thought you didn't like the daycare thing. And he's like, yeah, but now that all the executive kids are going there, they're teaching really great things like, uh, what was it? Uh, like music, Chinese, the weaknesses of the Chinese. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. And then, More than one joke in this episode about being going to war with China, which is weird. Yeah, and Veronica's like, come on, we all saw that war We coming. all know. Um, and then, but the joke I really liked when he meets with Pete at the daycare place is uh, they bond over the the sort of extended universe lore of the Pioneer Girl dolls that both of their oh, yeah. daughters collect, which feels like such a joke for the dads in the audience. 
that like you know me watching it i'm not laughing my ass off but i'm sure there are dads out there who are like shaking their finger at the screen like that's me that's me i'm the guy who got really into the you know american girl doll um yeah lore or whatever uh i i just thought that was a really smart she's gonna save her brother from typhoid or whatever (laughs) yeah it's like such a such a narrowly uh casted joke but for the people who get it i'm sure it it really hit and john did you ever or did your siblings ever have american girl dolls my sister had some yeah we okay i mean we had we had tons and tons of beanie babies back when that was a thing oh heck yeah yeah babies we had like a whole uh thing hanging off the back of the door with like pouches for all the beanie babies and stuff so it 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 kind of is an interesting marketing strategy to make a doll and then uh like some of them would include the book and be like here's the story behind it to get kids reading and to make you invested in this doll and it's like storyline yeah and I think some of them would intersect. And I'm trying to think, is this just like, uh, you know, anime action figures, but for little girls? Right, right, right. <laughs> and that's why I think it's it's so funny that the dads are getting into it because I, exactly. I think there must have been or there must be dads who are like, okay, this is the one universe that I have the time to invest in and learn about. So this is my thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just thought that was a that was a smart joke. Yeah, and the way that they bounce off each other is 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 pretty fun. Yeah. Like they're they're different enough, both physically and the way that they speak. That you, you know, it's not just like Ted too, but it, they are similar enough in ways that matter. Like they're the way they take care of their kids, and like he says, you know, Ted's saying, "Wow, he's like Pete, it's really weird that you just like come up to the children's center like for no reason, like just to get the food." And he's like, "I do have a daughter. Why do you think I have a daughter? What am I weird? Like <laughs> I'm yeah. you. I'm you're looking at yourself. Right, right. It's the Spider-Man pointing to himself meme is what it is." Uh-huh. But the technology that they end up competing over in this episode is basically a weightless magnet, like a wearable weightless magnet that allows children to float around like they're in uh, zero G. Yeah. Um, And the two different pitches are uh, Ted and Veronica have a vest. It looks like a combat vest, but the sort of puerile complaint that uh, that the others make criticize him for is that it looks like it has lady boobs. It's got nipples. (laughs) because why not and then they're like no kid's gonna want to wear that that's so stupid my problem as alan watching this maybe kids would want to wear a vest but not one that's like adult sized it's huge yeah so that's my issue with this whole with this whole thing is that the main purpose of what the tech they're developing is for kids to use it which doesn't make sense for viridian dynamics and veronica is the one who's like oh by the way this would have some military uses too and isn't that always the first thing for them i don't know that that just it doesn't the only it felt like the only reason that they were saying it's a thing for kids is so that they could do the the bit where rose is in the focus group which is great it's pretty funny but that kind of broke the fiction for me a little bit my my one interesting potentially interesting counter to that is the second episode explicitly deals with phil and lem realizing when they tell us to make products that are like wholesome and good and for kids they're almost always actually just using it for military so it might just be marketing fluff that they're saying and kids could use it but they know that this is an adult combat vest okay (laughs) like maybe that's yeah if that's what's going on that's that's you know what i mean like you say it's for kids because that's how you get funding for it but it's not for kids to use Mm. this like they're gonna have fun with it right and uh, yeah, Veronica makes jokes about going to war with China here, and we get to see Pete and his. I don't think the other Veronica person gets a name. I'm not She's sure. Just yeah, I don't remember. Pete's Veronica, basically. Yeah. 
Um, we get a fun montage of them like back and forthing insults at each other. I loved this. I was so happy to see Chet again. I think Chet is my favorite uh, Better Off Ted character, <laughs> the boss guy. Who? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The one who's like he's sm- like he's so easily influenced by whatever anyone says. <laughs> yeah, just- it's really funny how easily he's he's turned and he's like kind of coy and shy in this meeting yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like when someone makes a joke about the other person's thing he gives them a little smile like ooh, ooh, oh my god should laugh at that <laughs> oh oh boy um, is that a nasty word he does so much with just his face in this meeting it's really really funny if if you missed what this guy was doing you got to rewatch this whole sequence and just just watch everything he does because it, it was it was really hilarious to me. Um, and every time he's on screen, I, I crack up. And It adds a good layer of comedy when yeah. you have the joke going back and forth, but you also get to watch the person reacting in universe to the joke. That... Yeah, because the jokes that they're making are not funny, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the just the context of it and the way that the characters are interacting is actually what's, what's funny about it. Um, 100%. And it's kind of a subtle thing, too. Uh, and I also sort of liked the the grim subtext that all of the inventions that they mock each other for are inventions that would have really helpful benefits in like the real world. So when Ted is talking about the solar powered paint or Pete is presenting the drinking straw that purifies water as you drink it, those are pretty good inventions that would do good things for people, but both of them, Ted included, are just so uh, driven by their egos and wanting to win that they torpedo these projects that, you know, could do some good, um, which I, I think is uh, it's a pretty damning indictment of Ted as a person and is adds to the comedy of that scene for me. Right. It's It's one of the common underlying threads of Better Off Ted is that like we're going to joke about like, this would actually be really useful and good. But anyways, huh? that's stupid. Why would kids want to drink out of sewage water? And it's like, because sometimes they, they don't ju- do the one extra step to go because sometimes that's the only option. <laughs> right. Right. Cause it's a satire and it's a comedy and they're not trying to, to say that, but yeah, I, I, I like that stuff. Yeah. Um, I imagine the thing with the, the straw, if we're really trying to talk about like QA and, and all that yeah. is there's just more efficient ways to do exactly that. Like making it a straw is what is inefficient. Yes, you should come up with something to purify water for children who don't have access to other resources. But like a, a straw, even it's kind of like a thick ass straw, just get like a a whole uh, plant or something. You can make this way bigger scale. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, sure. I just think. But it's, they're not trying to make a real product here. Yeah, anyway. it's just like a sci-fi show or whatever. Um, and then yeah, the the counter to the vest that the other team has is a is like clearly a diaper or like the thing that you put kids in when they yeah, sit in it a looks swing. Like Batman or something. Yeah, yes. And they're like, Oh, they're trying to make jokes about it being a diaper, but Chet's not taking it anymore because Chet's very particular about his, <laughs> his <jokes. laughs> I I thought it was really sharp writing the way that they set it up. Like, like Ted does an effective joke. But then Ted sets it up to say that Veronica always tries to get in on it and she's so bad at it. And mm-hmm. Veronica's jokes are – it's really, really – I feel like it must have been a really tough writing task to get the to get this exactly right. Where it's something that Veronica's saying that's so banal uh, and not outlandish or offensive but just like so banal that it's not funny. Where she's like, hey, hey Pete, you know, our kids – 
are those disposable or do you have to wash it every time? <laughs> it's like, that's not funny. Come on, that's just real life. Um, so I thought that that whole thing, the whole sequence, that the montage, Veronica's bit, it was all really good. Probably, probably some of the funniest stuff in this app, at least. I think, I think it was the funniest part, yeah. Uh, and so this plot, after they meet in the children's center and, and like bond a little bit, um, Ted seems like he's ready to take the high road, as he says over and over in this episode. But we collide into one of our other plots, um, specifically the Veronica and Linda stuff, which is our girls start, <laughs> the gals start bonding a little bit in this episode. Uh-huh. Um, talking about how they're going to try, they're they're like fighting with each other, and they're talking about Rose, and then they're like, uh, you know, actually we could use Rose because this is a product brand marketed to children to help our team win over uh, Pete's team. So their plan is to like basically go to Rose and you get this very well-framed scene where it's like Linda and Veronica and Rose is like center frame uh-huh. and they're like, hey, and they're making jokes and trying to tell her how to be an adult yet again. Basically, they're her surrogate, par- surrogate parents for this episode, uh-huh. which I thought was very entertaining. Um, yeah, I thought Rose, the the actress who plays Rose, I thought did it. This is one of her better episodes in terms of her own acting um, because... There's a bit where Veronica or Linda or somebody says something kind of outlandish when she's in Ted's office and she does like an eyebrow raise. That's Mm -hmm. really great. Uh, And then this whole bit where Veronica's trying to use corporate speak and Linda's talking about, you know, oh, it's so this is whack. It's not fat. Rose is just like, what are you two doing? And then in the actual focus group scene, when she has to give the derisive laugh, it's so good. She nails it. She nails the delivery of like this is this could kill a Jonas brother, right? Huh? You all know that, right? Like looks around yeah, like yeah. It's, huh? She does a really really good job in this episode. Yeah, it's and most of her acting is reacting, which is what acting is, I think, as as I've been told. But <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's yes. what the word on the street is. Yes. Um, but she, she, yeah, she she definitely holds her own amongst against these two really great actresses as well. Um, so she's told basically to criticize the the diaper product or whatever the product is. And then Ted, trying to take the high ground, switches the products. She ends up criticizing the vest instead, saying that it could kill a Jonas brother. And they're like, no, 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 no. And then they lose. But Pete he, and Pete and Ted almost have a, a moment where they forgive each other. And then Pete is like, no, but you still like lied about this. And we're trying to screw me over. So I actually still hate you more. <laughs> no. I appreciate like I, I used to to deride uh, better off Ted a little bit for this, but they they're not going to end episodes happy. They're just like, well, that's weird, that's sad. Or like, if it's happy, it's between people on our team. It's Veronica and Ted singing together, or it's you know Lemon Phil looking at the rose that that's placed in their office and being like, oh, this might be bad. <laughs> like it's always with that little twinge of like, well, yeah, we're gonna live another day, right? And there's a, there's a couple of good other bits in there, but uh, the other really great plot line. Oh, actually, the last thing on the on the Veronica Linda stuff that I liked, was, <laughs> I thought it was kind of silly, but I laughed at, was uh, they are trying to talk like the youth, and Linda's like, "Do you guys still say like that's fat and dope or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like that's what kids said when I was eight. And then the fucking brutal delivery of Portia de Rossi later turns to Linda when they're watching the focus group and goes, Linda, you're fat. She's like, why would you say something like that? And yeah. she's like, I'm saying the thing you said. P-H-A-T, yeah. right? Brutal. It's <laughs> just That's pretty good. a lot. Um, but my favorite plot line of this episode easily, as always, Phil and Lem, 
going on their own little adventures. Um, for one reason or another, another, I must have missed it. Why did they have a pinata? What was the pinata it, for? It was just a totally random thing. That was kind of, I don't know. I was like, okay, whatever. You have to make up a an excuse for them to have damaged the thermostat and so that's just it could have been a simple like the one if i just i just improvised one off the top of my head right now they're (laughs) making like a buckyball technology where it's in super bouncy and it bounces against everywhere and then hits the wall yeah that that is kind of annoying that there's nothing scientific about it and they they weren't trying to turn the thermostat into something or something like that it just they hit it because they were why do they have a comically large thermostat in the side in the corner of their office like that's not that's not a good idea it is what it is right but um, the thermostat breaks and they freak out because if they tell the company, then they're going to blame them and probably punish them, as Phil says, by taking away their gym membership, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I thought was going to reference the episode where he was at the gym and like trying to flirt with the girl unsuccessfully. But it was more just like, yeah, he doesn't. It was, it was like every exercise you do at the gym is jazzercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ted was like, no matter what class you were signed up for, you just went to jazzercise. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. Um, Phil gets more time to shine in the second episode, but he was quite fun in this one. Uh-huh. Um, and then it gets really dark. Like I was saying earlier, Ted is telling them to take the high road and then they back and forth talk about like, no, I don't want to take the high road. I don't want to take it because it's high. And then Lem turns to Phil and goes, yeah, I know we could fall off. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the high road is a bad place. So they instead decide to pin it on Patricia, sweet, innocent Patricia, who did literally yeah. nothing wrong. Yeah. And, um, they crank it up to like HBO mode. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> it gets oh my pretty God, dark. Believe- yeah, they like almost let her spend two thousand dollars to fix it herself. Yeah, uh, and then. The thing that gets them to tell her the truth is she's like, okay, my ex-boyfriend would do it for free, but he wants me to have sex with him. And Phil still almost goes yeah. through with it. It has the like, grim, sex is good, right? The grim line, yeah, of like, well, sex is good, right? And she says, not the way he does it. Oh, which, what? God, that's horrible. What is that? Horrible. <laughs> what did you mean? And then they come clean, but yeah. And then she. Like what I would do in that situation is like, well, you each have to give me a thousand dollars and also you have to fight each other and I want to see you guys kick each other's ass. Why? <laughs> yeah. Because why not? <laughs> I, I thought that was really great. Uh, yeah. Just, of course, that's what anybody would want from Lemon Phyllis to just see them beat each other up. Right, 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 right. It's pretty good. Uh, and then she, uh, Lemon's like, you're never going to get us to fight each other. And Phil just turns and clocks him in the face. Yeah. Like, good. Yeah. She walks away. Um, this is a pretty good episode for people writing their Lemon Phil fix, I think, because... Yeah, this is the Lemon Phil one with a little bit of Veronica Linda, and then the second one is all Veronica Linda all yeah, the time. because you've got this where it's like fight each other, which <laughs> it feels like something. Phil just clocking Lem seems to add a little energy to the idea. Phil is like constantly mm-hmm. sexually frustrated with Lem not noticing him, you know? And then uh, the fact that you see them uh, sweaty and shirtless wearing only their their uh, lab coats. It's kinky, my <laughs> yeah. dude. It uh, feels like people were like, okay, thank you. We know what people want. Thank you. Jonathan Slavin in a deep, no, it's not even a deep V-neck. It's no shirt under his lab coat, <laughs> yeah. which is the ultimate V-neck. Right. And then Lem literally unbuttoned, just showing everything off. It's great. I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> this was good for me. Um. But yeah, she extorts them and then they all, they like freak out. And then doesn't it loop back around? How does it loop back around to them? I think that's it. I think that's where that ends. Right. Uh, And then the last, oh yeah, the button on the episode being really weird 
and brief. I always I like thinking of the buttons as like, well, we have one more joke that we wrote that's like probably not funny or we are or good enough to make the main episode. Mm-hmm. So uh Linda and Veronica are like in the kid the children's center and Linda's telling a story she referenced earlier about the time she like slept with her cousin. Her <laughs> no, her cousin's husband, I think is what Her it was. cousin's husband, yeah. yes. That would be less weird, you're right. Um and then Veronica has to be the one who's like, No, 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 not today. <laughs> not, today. <laughs> yeah. not now. Um but yeah, it's like you said, when when the show fires on the right cylinders and all the themes like line up with each other and the plot lines work, it's great. Yeah, it was I, good. I, we literally can't like I was trying to go through just the Ted uh, and Veronica plot. And the fact that it it does hinge on the Linda Veronica plot is really cool. Yeah. That there's that interweaving. Yeah. Um, I so I think this one's really good. Uh, did you have any stray lines from it? Um, Let me skim. I feel like we hit. Most of them. There's a bit at the beginning where Ted is showing how great of a guy Ted is because he accidentally gets two candy bars from the vending machine. And then he gets on the ground to put one back. And Patricia goes, Ted on his back, straining with effort. (laughs) I go, that's an image I can picture later. Something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's phrased in such a a safe for cable way. She's basically like, I will recall this image later. Oh, gross, though. I don't know. Whoa. It was intense. Um, Let's see. Oh, I have one. Okay. Um, when Veronica is going up to Linda's desk to talk to her and <laughs> Linda gets startled and she's like, Veronica, you don't make any sounds when you walk. Are you Batman? <laughs> <laughs> and then she, well, for the third time, Veronica references Gandhi. She's like, I'm like, I'm like Gandhi. I'm quiet and like placid all the time. And it's like, I no, totally her, understand the joke. She references Gandhi in a different way. She calls Linda something related to Gandhi, but her joke there was, uh, when Linda's like, you're so quiet, she's like, oh, I, then my training at the monastery is complete and I'm ready to avenge my parents, which is like a Batman Begins reference. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. She didn't say Batman, but she said that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. Very 2010. Uh, oh, yeah. The other thing, by the way, that was pretty 2010 was when Linda, first of all, Linda being like, that's, it's fat, it's whack or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Big time. And she calls her Flavor Flav. And she calls her Flavor Flav, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever watch Flavor of Love? No, but I know what it is. But I don't think I've ever watched it. There was an era of like 2005 to 2010 VH1 reality shows. They're just the worst. Yeah, we, you don't really worst. get as much of people like trying desperately to <laughs> make something work in the reality space anymore. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like everything now it's it's either doesn't exist or it's like a more polished thing. Well, so a lot of that stuff just got so controversial because, yeah. you know, the surreal life—that was the one that I that we were—I was talking about with some friends recently, where it was like Steve from Smash Mouth hosts a show where a bunch of washed-up celebrities live in a house together. Oh, God, and there was one where like Vern Troyer was on it, but he was like super drunk and like got up in the middle of the night and was like humping something. It's like it's kind of sad. It reminds me Yikes. of like I watched a lot of those, but they're all really depressing. Yeah. Um. Because it's exploiting people who are in a difficult part of their career, but I digress. Yeah. Um, neither here nor there. I, I wonder sometimes if there's any reality show that could be chatsed. You know what I mean? Obviously not. Whatever. What? Not that. Not the surreal life. But I wonder if yeah. there's one. I don't know. The genius has inspired me. Has has convinced me that there is podcastable material in like reality game shows, at least. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
And I know plenty of people like do The Bachelor, but that's not really our vibe. So I think there is one. I don't know which one exactly. Yeah, I, I think I don't know if there's like a self-contained thing, right? Because like, yeah, I yeah, could yeah. see someone doing a Survivor podcast mm-hmm. or something, uh, or or yeah, the The Bachelor or whatever. But I don't know if there's Survivor like just a... hit Netflix, by the way. Oh, I'm not gonna watch no. it. <laughs> but no, hey, no, absolutely I used not. to. I, I used watch to watch Gilmore Survivor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, that's what I got on this episode. I don't think I have anything else. That's fair enough. Oh, there was actually, so briefly, the fact that I forgot to mention it, two two more lines. I'm sorry. I, have, I actually, I actually have, have more lines. More line, yeah. Yeah. There was a Viridian Dynamics ad. Yeah. Which is about doing, it's about doing the right thing. <laughs> the joke here is almost perfect, right? It's, mm-hmm. they're talking about like, we know that doing the right thing exists. We don't know what that means. We know what wrong is. Actually, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah. And then it's, Viridian Dynamics, right and wrong, it means something. We just don't know what. <laughs> Which is like, it's almost perfect, but then that's like one line too long. Like if they just said right and wrong, it means something. I would have been like, that's fucking very funny. I love that. Yeah. And I'm just like, it, I, I thought this one was, paced I thought that it was a decent Viridian Dynamics commercial. And yeah. like Justin was saying a couple of weeks ago, you know, it gave me the feeling of like, oh, it's back. Which, you know, maybe made me think that it was better than it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's your line? Because my line's my favorite line of both of these episodes. Uh, just a kind of random line. For some reason, I thought it was so funny when Linda to Veronica says, I'm not some scout girl, instead of saying I'm not a girl scout. Girl scout. <laughs> it's just the way she, she's got yeah, that verbal I don't know, I don't know why style. that made me laugh, but it did. Um, so here's the line. And it was brief. Once again, they always put the best fill lines like in the background. Um, they're talking about what was i wish i could remember the context because the context really made it but he's talking to lem and he says the line have you ever thought about how much of men's lives are about tricking women into touching oh, something no <laughs> oh god brut brutal oh no 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 i mean ted's better off ted's going it's they swing for the fences sometimes they're like no we're gonna say it fuck you we're gonna say the thing yeah. it's not like we're gonna say the slur it's just like no this is a yeah we're calling it out right now. Yeah. A lot of times, yes. And in the second episode especially, we see like what happens when the guy is like, why can't you just give me the thing I want? <laughs> What's the and slur, And how much that's tied boy? into like control and power. What's the slur there? Fuck boy? Is that the slur? No, I didn't. There's no, there's no slur there. I'm oh, just saying. you're just saying in general. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's about, that was what I got. What was your last line you said? Or you said the it was scout the scout girl one. Scout girl. Yeah. Perfect. Well. Um, I think that's what we have for the long and winding high road. Uh, definitely a solid episode. But uh, after this brief musical break, Magellan and I will be back to discuss Lust in Translation. Welcome back to Better Off Chats. The second episode we watched this week was season two, episode 10, Lust in Translation. It was written by Michael Shipley and directed by Lee Shalat Shamel. It originally aired on January 19th, 2010. Alan? What? What happened in Lust in Translation? <laughs> when you catch me in the freezer with a mouthful of chocolate ice cream? <laughs> huh? Yeah. I'm glad it was you so asked. sweet and so cold. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I took the chocolate ice cream. Left in the <laughs> Ten points to Gryffindors. Uh, thank uh, you. Here it is. In this episode, guys, Ted dates a German businesswoman whose company wants to buy a translating device from Viridian. But a minor adjustment by Phil threatens to kill the romance and the deal. Meanwhile, Linda invents a new game and defeats Veronica once and for all, killing her for good. 
<laughs> Wait, that last part's not real. <laughs> she does defeat her though. Oh, Magellan, what an episode. What a what a what a season. Yeah. Sure. I agree. Magellan, what did you think what, of Farscape? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> did you what did you think about this episode? Um yeah, I, I we just spoke last half about how it's fun when the plots uh line up and they don't always have to. Can you uh-huh. find the connection between uh Linda Bagel and this hot German seductress? <laughs> no, I cannot. Well, uh, the romance, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The romance yeah, of it all. Yeah. Ayah. <laughs> but otherwise, no, I'd say. There's not really a thematic connection there. Dominating? Power uh, dynamics? I don't know. I mean, there's a sort they sort of draw this connection about like hubris or ego or something between Ted and Linda and Veronica kind of yeah but it's i guess it works i don't know no, i and i definitely liked the the episode overall i just yeah this doesn't yeah. this one doesn't benefit from like all of it connecting nicely right but i really liked how this episode started uh and that's specifically where Phil and Lem are uh realizing that all the tech they basically have that that moment from whatever i don't know what show that's from but it's a meme from a british sitcom where he's like are we the baddies and it's like two nazis looking <laughs> at each other and they're like wait uh-huh. they use our stuff for the military and it's like pretty i guess a little bit more self-aware than the show usually is uh yeah you're right right and uh they're like wait all this stuff is like how why would this kill people what are you talking about and they go down the line like on the shelf of all the different inventions and they're like deadly deadly potentially deadly definitely deadly (laughs) the one that was the funniest to me was the when ted points out the like skin peeling ray and they're like that's just supposed to peel oranges that are across the room or whatever and he's like well it peels people across the battlefield yeah yeah um, I thought that was funny. Yeah, that's the show basically saying what we were just talking about last episode, which is no matter what you intend for the device to be used for, um, it's probably going to be bought out by the military. Not like every single thing, but that's like one of the most popular uses of uh, sort of uh, ahead of the curve technology like this. Couldn't find oh. a better word for that. Innovative, innovative. And so I liked that. There was also a really great joke in there about, um, you know, I always get sick around inconvenient truths. That's why I, I couldn't I couldn't stand that Al Gore movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of funny. He got it wrong though. He said he didn't say inconvenient truth. He's like, I don't like uncomfortable truths. Like, yeah, it's it's one of those things where like if you're gonna change one of the words, you should change both or neither. Exactly. Yeah. It the joke didn't quite land. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But it was funny. Uh speaking of jokes that don't land here, uh we also have Veronica who's talking about the Germans plot line, which I want to get to probably first uh-huh. cause it's uh, the silliest. And she's like, I can't wait. You guys, we're going to create a, f- a Fuhrer across Europe, a Fuhrer that oh, will man. sweep across Europe. And the subtitles say F U R O R. Yeah. Did you like this joke? Did you laugh at this or were you like me? You're like, no, Come on. I, no, I didn't laugh at it. I didn't laugh at any of the German jokes in this one it's so weird why are we doing jokes about Germans? well the thing the thing that doesn't work about that joke is it's not clear what the right word is of that if yeah. it's like a pun or something is it fervor is that what she's going for I it think just so. doesn't I think so. it doesn't quite read so it doesn't really work and then when ted sees the hot lady and he's like pots damn it's like okay come on i didn't even <laughs> catch that one that's come that's, on that's dumb yeah uh yeah all the german stuff and then what so what's the woman's name uh, I have her written sure. as Fraulein Cheekbones. I think it's. Is... <laughs> I believe. I, I think, think it's Greta. I'm pretty sure someone calls her that. Yes. 
Um, Greta, Greta, yeah. Yeah. So, Fraulein Cheekbones, that's funny. Uh, okay, yeah, so let's start with this plot. So, essentially, the the way it goes is Ted becomes smitten with a German executive who's trying to strike a deal with Viridian. And uh, she Her doesn't- English ain't that good. Yeah, she doesn't speak fluent, fluent English, so she's always saying stuff that sounds like sex things. Uh-oh. Uh, which, you want to eat me, Ted? You want to yeah, sleep which me? I, I did think was funny. Uh, I like it when he said, I can't wait, we're going to spend a night teaching you the word with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she says, eat me and stomp me, Yeah, uh, which are both good. And I, I like that her first line is, she's like, you and I do it, I hope, the coming together. <laughs> We're literally saying the German stuff is dumb, and now we're laughing at the fucking German. No, the germ that those jokes I think are funny, which is different than like the, the language stuff is funny. The cultural stuff is less yeah, funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, um, gotcha. right. And uh, and yeah, so the thing is like they can't really communicate with each other. The technology that Lemon Phillips developed is this communicator thing when you strap it to your chest and speak into the sort of Alexander Graham Bell mouthpiece. There, uh, it's translates for you but at first it comes out as a sort of demonic robot they say it sounds like a 50 foot tall killer robot hell yeah voice which is awesome and uh and then the sort of main comedy of the plot is ted finds himself in an intimate situation with greta and then she's like look your scientist guys fixed it and uh they changed the voice so now we can use it to talk to each other Perfect, and no issues. <laughs> no problem. And then the voice that comes out of it is Phil's voice. Oh. I-, I thought this was very funny, it, honestly. They use it so well. because it, It's really funny. As I understand it, Jonathan Slavian is fluent in German. So when they Ted certainly speaks make it into seem it, that way, yeah. When Ted speaks into it, it, it spits out him speaking, it, sp- it spits out Phil speaking fluent German. And then when Greta talks into it, it's him just being Phil. And yeah. That makes Ted super uncomfortable because she's like, oh, take me, Ted. Sleep with me. As <laughs> kiss, kiss me, Ted. is doing it. Yeah. Oh, this is incredible. I it's, love this. It's really good. It it has the same delightfulness to it as when you're watching a uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway episode and they're dubbing over yes. uh, like a, a muted movie or something. Um, One of my favorite yeah. Whose Line games by the way yeah it's it it had the same fun for me so anytime that phil's and jonathan slavin is so funny uh and just delivers every line perfectly every time that there was a bit where his voice was involved i i was laughing pretty hard <laughs> they're in the bedroom and he's yeah. like, take me ted the music is so loud ted <laughs> yeah. she always ends it with his name which makes it so much more intimate <laughs> like, yeah uh, and so Ted like goes and yells at them the next day and is like, Phil, why is it your voice? And Phil's uh, another joke that really made me laugh out loud, especially the second time, is they're talking about how it had to be Phil's voice because they already had his voice on file from when they tried to make a talking frying pan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the pro- the two problems with the talking frying pan are it would scream yeah. when it was being used. So and, rude. And the other thing that really made me laugh is that the talking frying pan was overly critical uh, <laughs> really like, that much but you're gonna use that yeah. much butter do you need that much <laughs> it's that like so excuse good. me <laughs> yeah uh and then the kind of final big joke that this culminates in is greta gets sick of ted because he's he's so awkward about the phil voice stuff which is understandable mm-hmm. um and she tries to be understanding but not that hard <laughs> she doesn't really. really put that much effort into into empathizing with him um, 
and then he eventually reconciles with her at the end and they have sex in his office and through the walls uh linda and veronica hear it and it's phil's voice being like oh yes take me ted yes you're so good at the sex and linda has been i love it when characters follow the logic of what information they've actually received Mm -hmm. over the course of an episode and so Linda has not encountered this invention at all. She doesn't know what what's going on in the main plot. So to her, it sounds like Phil and Ted are having sex with each other. Uh, and she's like, oh, my God, what is happening between Phil and Ted right now? Um, so, yeah, I, I overall, I just thought every single beat of this Ted plot uh, was one of the funnier. Maybe, obviously, there's no, like point to this really there's not really like a A satirical take take, but it uh, for beat for beat joke for joke is one of the funnier plots that the show's done so i I definitely agree and i think that 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 scene was really funny because they didn't belabor her freaking out about it being phil and ted phil and ted's excellent sex venture if you will Pause for laughter. My notes here say pause for laughter for 30 straight seconds, I guess. Oh, I shouldn't have tried to take a sip of coffee in the middle of you talking. Oh, God. <laughs> um, no, I thought that stuff was it was handled very well. They could have gone really stupid with that and they managed to make it work. Uh, if I were to extract any point, any blood from the stone, which was a reference I was not able to make last week. because I was Oh, that's what you were trying to say. Yeah. No, was that on the metric chats thing or was that on this? Oh, was that on last uh, week's episode? last week's episode okay yes sorry um no blood from the stone is what it's not hair from the stone or whatever dumbass <laughs> uh, which is that the ted and uh and greta plot line is once again about like masculine control because mm, uh-huh. basically what he's saying and she tells him this is like you don't want me to talk like she's not <clears throat> it's really easy in a more dated version of this plot line to have the woman be like what do you mean don't you want to be with me but she's like ted do you want to just like have me as a sex object and not listen to me and like understand my interiority? And he's like, kind of, (laughs) that's kind of what I I want. And I I don't know. I think she's being a little unfair though, because she's saying like, come on, don't you want to talk to me? Is that more important to you than the discomfort you feel having sex, listening to your friend speak to you? And like, come on that's not fair it's it's really i don't know if i was having sex with someone and seems fake by the way and when they spoke it translated into your voice oh that'd be sick that would i would not want to do that it would mean because it would be weird okay i guess i just don't think it would be that weird but also the jump the next jump of that conversation if this was real life would be him saying like no it is really weird for me I, and he would say, I do respect what I do want to hear what you want to say, but in your voice, yeah. not in his. Right. And it's just, it's a classic sitcom thing of like, he can't quite express that yeah. that well, because we need the beat where it falls apart before they reconcile and, and fix it. Ted gets uh, himbofied whenever sex is involved, because that's what led to him saying that he was of Native American descent. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He, always he just goes, he goes full dum dumb mode. And yeah. I respect that because the same thing happens to me all the millions of times that I do the sex. <laughs> Um, but, (laughs) um, I, yeah, I just felt like that it was like going up to the line of saying something and then it was like, ah, whatever. And then I think that's fine. Like better off Ted can be satirical when it comes to technology and corporations, but I don't need it to like dive into the sexual relationships of corporate romance. Yeah. It's, I also found it, um, 
I don't know what the word is. I guess interesting. I don't know. But but certainly uh, it's worth noting that things work out fine for Ted in the end. Um, yeah. <laughs> he Every other episode where he sort of tries to stake a, a moral claim or like, this is how this is going to go or whatever, it blows up in his face, like the last episode. But in this one, he says to Veronica, oh, things are going to be fine. It's me. It's Ted. I'll figure it out. And then he does. I always figure <laughs> things out. If it goes fine. There's like a little rough spot, but there's ultimately uh it goes great for him. Um, yes, it's I think we we said in the pilot that it felt like Ted's superpower was that he can be consummately affable and uh, like a good listener and follow orders well. He also just has the ability to sweep problems away like they're nothing, like they never existed. Yeah. Which I think is more of a magic power than like any other thing that he's able to do but it's consistent lately especially in season two where he's like uh plot's over um we we took care of the shipping problem and nobody has to overwork ever again and you're like okay yeah. we're not gonna I, I think i think what i find notable about it is that in in sitcoms often what we like to see is main characters uh you know have hubris or or do something dumb or be mean and then get punished for it yeah. And in this one, Ted really faces no punishment whatsoever. And also, I kind of didn't need him to because, I don't know, I was charmed by his by his situation. I thought that he wasn't that far in the wrong. Maybe he was a little cocky, but he wasn't like, he wasn't actually using her or anything like that. So, and it worked for me. I, I actually still like the plot. So, it kind of like breaks some sitcom rules and still functions. Also, let's be honey nut realios here for a sec. Yeah. I know why you remember this episode from when you watched it originally. It's because <laughs> it's a pretty lady and him doing sex stuff and, and like talking about and the language stuff I, is what makes I it think, really funny. No, I think I remember it because the Phil yeah, yeah, the yeah. voice bit. I, I didn't remember that specific point, but I think I remembered it being a particularly funny episode because of that. And that's like in to me, and to, it seems like to us, top five better off Ted gags is... Phil's voice coming out of a beautiful Fraulein cheekbones um, mm-hmm. during sex. It's just so clever. And the prop being like the translator is not a simple it chip. so dorky. It's like a backpack phone or like the yeah, Ghostbusters. It's like, like Flood or something from or Flood, yeah, Mario yeah, yeah. Sunshine. I was, Ghostbusters if you were born in the 80s. Flood if you were born in 2005. <laughs> <laughs> right. The Zoomers, the Zoomers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it it just was so funny to me that they were like, we have infinite technology and capability, but our translator is a sousaphone, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, and I, I I do. It's cool that the Linda Veronica plot does bump into that, but not in like a thematic way. Just literally like bagels go through the vent so that they hear yeah. that. That's yeah. the extent of it. The I think the only other thing to say about this main plot is that we called it exactly right that the woman he yep. was involved with would be a thin blonde woman. Of and course. Better off Ted really has a problem with that. Yeah. That's like a really glaring issue. But anyway. every time every it's the it's the scrubs problem. It's the it's the like Western television from that era problem. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah. Every time JD has a new girlfriend, it's another hot blonde girl. And every right. time Ted has a new girlfriend, it's another hot, thin blonde woman. Every time. Yeah. Right. Um, if that better off Ted were to come back, I'm sure they would at least attempt to mix it up with that. Or finally just lock in Ted as asexual once and for all. Um, he's not he's, he's not, not asexual. He's super not. He's the, it's it's like um uh 
idealistic of me to say that. It honestly feels like uh, there are some days where he is and some days where he's like hypersexual. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. He, That's what I'm I saying. Last what, episode, the first one we discussed this week, no romance, no talking about romance. He's just like, I want to take the high road. And this one, he's like, yeah. blonde lady, big boobs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ted is that. Right. Well, but here's something. If we want, if but, you like themes or uh, okay. taking, o- overreading into sitcoms, which is what we do here. I guess so. Yeah. Hit me. Uh, he adapts to the situation. Part of the reason he's attracted to her is because it's a good business deal to get with her. It's going to help him make the business deal happen. You if he's a consummate businessman, then ultimately it? what he really always wants is to do good business. That's his like fundamental motivation, whether it is because of a woman or not. Maybe he's attracted to executives, and that's why he's attracted to Veronica, and that's why he's, he's there attracted to There it is, power dynamics. And he likes Linda right. more now because she's getting strong, stronger. Strong. <laughs> She's, she's trained. now going to rip apart the building. Developing her, her powers. Yeah, she's powered up. She's going to eat her her goldfish from earlier. Here's a question for Ted, if you're out there listening, Hi, I'm Ted. Ted. Hi, I'm Jay Harrington. What's up? Ted, why do you have a rule about only having two office romance be- romances? Because you <laughs> don't want to be the guy who sleeps around, but you'll immediately hop into bed with like a business partner without any second thoughts? Now, ho- now hold on. That's What's not going fair. on there, Ted? Yeah, it seems like you don't have any sort of uh, rules. No, hold on there. I have actually plenty. I have like se- Linda. I have several rules. I hate Linda. My only love is Veronica. What's going on? I'll give me some pizza okay. bagels and we can talk about this. I'm glad you're being honest with us, Ted. I have to go. I have to go have sex with another mysterious blonde woman who came into the office just for okay. a donut. Anyways, I'm gonna make babies now. I love Rose. She's my daughter. Anyways, bye. Okay, bye, Ted. <laughs> See you, Ted. Thanks, Ted. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I want to talk about Linda and Veronica. By the way, enough of this horny nonsense. It's time for horny nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the thing that completely exploded my brain. Yeah, so bagels. the so yeah, so the plot here is you've got Veronica and Linda, and Linda to blow off steam uh, has found a secret room where she throws bagels at the wall to bounce them into a vent. The most random thing possible. Yeah, bagels. We had our my friend our friend Justin on a couple weeks ago. Hi, Justin. Who's listening to this? Hello. And I'm pretty sure that Justin came up with the ship name Bagels for Veronica and Linda, right? Right, because in a previous, in the episode that he discussed there, or one of the episodes we were talking about, um, they had mentioned both being wanting bagels or liking bagels. And he was like, yeah, basically he says something like in the, I don't know if he messaged this to us or what, but like if the Tumblr fandom was around when Better Off Ted was big and they they glommed onto this show, they Uh would have called that ship Bagels. And here (laughs) is this uncanny moment of the simulation breaking where the the linda veronica plot centers on bagels it was scary so so justin if you're out there please you know message us now and freak out because this is it's wild he's a sage he's a psychic yeah Um, but yeah the, the bagels being in the background of the shot for that whole beginning and i was like wait Linda Veronica bagels. Okay, that's so cute that there's like set dressing behind them of bagels. And then no, those bagels are like the crux of the whole plot. They throw bagels against the yeah. wall. What are the logistics of this? Okay, first of all, in offices, and I know people who work in offices like this, a lot of times they give out free bagels because they're easy to mass produce and it's like easy carbs yeah, for like people who want lunch, drink, right? You got your coffee. No your one's allergic to bagels. bagels or whatever. Yes, so they have a ton of yeah. bagels. So no one would be mad if Linda just like took a bunch of bagels like she takes coffee creamer. Same idea. Bagels are bouncy. And as Veronica tries to discover later, you can make aerodynamic yeah. bagels depending on how uh-huh. you craft it. Like a like a Frisbee with a special carbon, I think they say. 
Um, the ones that Phil and Len make later are like 80% uh, carbon. 98% <laughs> so like, carbon. Like carbon. Oh. And they say, yeah, once you get past actually, 97%, yeah. it's hard to mask the taste. Yeah. Exactly. It's fantastic. And yeah, it's just, this is, this is, ba- yeah. it's bagels, baby. It's bagel time. So the game, uh, Linda Bagel, where they throw it against the wall and try and get it in, seems like kind of fun. It's like something you would play in high yeah, school yeah, where you're like trying to get a pencil on the ceiling or yeah. fl- flicking a paper triangle across the study hall table. And uh, Linda's much better at this. Ding, ding, ding. Power dynamics. One of the themes of the show. Uh, Veronica's mad because she needs to be better at everything. She tries getting better at it, but sucks. Linda feels powerful and calls her mean things. And <laughs> she makes Veronica like call her... Like, not mommy, but something Queen, basic. Queen Linda the dainty foot. Queen Linda the dainty foot. Thank you for writing that one down. She actually, one of my favorite lines from Linda here, which is something I feel like I would say if this was Alan Bagel, she goes, you know, you think you'd be better than me at Linda Bagel? I'm Linda. <laughs> <laughs> she says yeah, it twice both times. I'm like, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that's just well line. done. And um, so Veronica, in her anger, asks Fallon Lem to make her aerodynamically perfect bagels, which they struggle with for a while because they're doing other work. I love that they're so busy, but not so busy enough that their boss can just give them more work. And they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so they attempt to make it and it's too hard. And she, I love this part too, where she is bringing the bagels over to Linda. And she's like, I also need like three pints of cream cheese because you can't just bring a bunch of bagels and no schmear. <laughs> and schmear is just one of those words that makes me giggle. Yeah. It's a good punchline word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she tries to bring them and then uh, it's still close and she ends up losing on the last shot. Uh, and then they go inside of the vent to get the bagels. Oh no, she wins. I'm sorry. She wins on the last shot. Uh-huh. And she goes inside and here's uh, a Ted and, and Fraulein cheekbones uh, doing the dirty nasty uh-huh. with the voice of Phil. Um, and she tries retrieving the bagel and then it just becomes like a cartoon and she like breaks the vent, falls through and, uh, Phil and Lem are like, uh, is this a good time to talk to you about some stuff? Yeah. This is just oh, this. I love this whole episode is like just the most cartoon jokes, jokes only, no, no takes allowed episode no of Better Off Ted. And you'd think that I wouldn't like it because of that, but for some reason, it just, I just, I let it all go, and I had a good time. I think that tone is why this was my favorite end episode, end of episode of button that we've ever had. Uh, it was pretty yeah. good, yeah. They're like, at some point, somebody calls Ted a stooge, or they're like, oh, he's like this th- part of the yeah. Three Stooges. I forget what the context yeah. of that was. Uh, but he's like, no, I'm not a stooge. What are you talking about? And something like an aerodynamic bagel comes at him from Phil and Lem, and he goes, <laughs> ah, wise guy, see? And he does his best curly and mo, and yeah, like chases them around. It's that's really that was really well really really well done. I actually wish that was a whole scene and not just the like ten second thing th- as the credits are rolling. To maybe try but, to reconcile this episode with some of the critiques that I've had a little bit and not be totally uh, what's that word when you're con- you contradict yourself uh, hypocritical hypocritical contradictory um, is hypocritical. I think that this episode does a good job of making Veronica funny without making her likable because she's just so hell bent on winning and crushing Linda. Um, And it's funny, but it doesn't like kind of change her character uh, in the process of, of doing that because Uh (laughs) the instant that she, that she looks like she's going to win, she starts calling Linda meat 
Um, and then she just starts calling her chicken bone. <laughs> She's like, come on, chicken bone, chicken bone, chicken bone, chicken bone. Uh, yeah, she's just not she's not particularly likable um in it. And so, I don't know. Like all the Linda also is like being kind of shitty, but it's it's funny. So, I think I liked it better than episodes that try to get a sort of tender moment where it doesn't feel earned, but it but it also I think a fair criticism of this episode is that it doesn't really like make any sort of point necessarily. And maybe it could, right? Yeah, I don't know what it would be in this case, but yeah. But yeah, it definitely opts for more jokes. And I, I, I guess I'm okay with that. Sometimes with the podcast, yeah, it is a little tough to be like, okay, what's what are we doing here? But yeah. I'm enjoying Better Off Ted week to week a lot. And even when an episode is like completely balls to the wall jokes, I'm like, yeah, this was good. I laughed at this. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. But that's what I have. I want to hear. I want. I see here that you have a we, bunch of good. We quotes. didn't really talk about the Phil and Lem stuff too much. Oh, I forgot. But I. I don't. What is the Phil and Lem? Stuff? It's really just them kind of agonizing over the fact that they don't want to be evil scientists. I guess that's it, right? It's. It's funny to me that they have never thought about this before because they've literally given presentations about like military weapons that they've created. So. So yeah. It's a sitcom thing where character development can, sometimes only has to happen when you feel like it. It doesn't have to happen in linear order. True, true. It just is like, today, we learned something about them. This could have happened in episode two. Yeah, But yeah. it kind of exists in this timeless timeless state because of that. And it helps to explain, I think, why two guys who are as affable and nice as Phil and Lem and, and kind of unassuming would willingly go along with creating deadly military weapons is because they just didn't think about it really at all until now. The company does a good job of make of convincing them not to think about right. it and just be like you're inventors, you're scientists, we love you. Wear your jackets and work hard and collect and go to medieval jousting or whatever. Yeah. Um but yeah, I do have a few a few uh quotes. I, I actually folded your quotes for you. Folding them. Thank you. You're welcome. So at the beginning, Ted comes in. This is for all you 2020 uh livers out there. Ted comes in and he says, hey, cats and kittens. So he's he saw Tiger King early, right? Ha! Uh, right? Come on now. Uh, I, I, I didn't watch Tiger King. Oh, I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but there's a bit where someone says, hey, you cats and kittens. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Early early quarantine nostalgia. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> remember uh, March or uh, April uh, or whenever that was? Uh-huh. Remember when we all watched Tiger King in The Last Dance and we were playing Animal Crossing? Woo! Uh, that aged fast huh really fast when i was thinking about like best games i played this year i was like animal crossing even though i don't play it at all right now was a was my life oh yeah oh yeah my life i lived in uh what's the name of my town figure it out not sleepy tonia no uh coholent island because i named it after the town from link's awakening i digress uh let's see there was a joke at the beginning that i thought was kind of funny where uh, Ted said something about how the Germans think that Viridian is like a evil corporation trying to conquer the world or something. And the joke is like, ha ha ha. That's what the Nazis did, which is dumb. But then Phil's like, yeah, it's like when those Irish auditors thought our accounting department drank too much and wrote depressing poetry, <laughs> which literally I'm funny. imagining the writer's room 
and someone's like, okay, what do the Irish do? <laughs> yeah, they have like a whole top three thing. A whole whiteboard. Put something on the board, and yeah, and like half of the board is just reprehensible and cannot be put on television. Yes. Yeah. Um, I Phil goes on this monologue that ends with the line, "Despite everything my wife ever says to me, communication is always good." <laughs> Very brief, oh, that's, but that's good. Loved it. Yeah. Um, Let's see. What else do I have here? Uh, There's a line where Veronica says, sex can screw things up. Why do you think the Three Stooges went through so many curlies? It's kind of funny. What do you think is going on there, pal? I don't know. It's just a good line. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to dig into it. I think one of my biggest laughs of the episode was when Veronica says, asked, uh, Ted for an update on, on Phil and Lem and she says like how are glasses and mustache doing and Ted says first of all glasses and mustache are the same person <laughs> it's really funny it's Mario <laughs> yeah it doesn't wear glasses come on um, and then there's a great line when Ted goes into the the lab to yell at them for the fact that it's Phil's voice and then Veronica comes and checks in and is like, oh, how's the thing going? And feels like it's almost done. It's close. It's close. Oh, it's so close. And Ted's like, I have to go. <laughs> I can't listen to this anymore. Oh, yeah. Because it's a sex joke. That's as, that's as dirty as you can be on cable, baby. Yeah. And that's uh, that's everything I got. That's lust in translation. Oh, also, canonically, we've learned uh, for all those bagel shippers, that Linda possesses two out of three qualities that Veronica looks for in a partner. Which are? I don't remember. But Veronica says them. <laughs> I didn't write it down. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So a little more fuel for the fire there. They're going to get married. Come on. Yeah. Just get married. Oh, and then the last big joke for me was when Veronica throws her last bagel and she's like, this is for the world championship of the world. <laughs> in slow motion. Yeah. I can Was that an effect or was that just her actually speaking that slowly? That was an, they slowed it down. Okay. Yeah. I was like, wow, that'd be really impressive. Yeah. That's what I got. Um Listen up, Megan. We got more episodes about off Ted to watch. We do. Yeah. We're not done yet. But only a few more. We're not done yet. Uh it's what? Four. Wait for it. Yes. Wait, three. We have uh, two more episodes of our show. So three three episodes total. Yeah, so yeah. we're almost done with Better Off Ted. We're going to have one. Our last episode of 2020 is next week. And then the oh, last, fuck. last episode of Better Off Ted, we're watching the first Sunday of January. Damn. And then we're going to start yeah. the year with a and fresh we'll, series. We'll let you know what it is wow. when, or, we, uh, when we get there. Week. But for next week, we are watching the next two episodes. Hello, sorry to interrupt you there, Magellan. This is future Alan uh, interrupting because uh, the audio from this point onwards in the episode uh, kind of went to crap. Um, I It's really complicated to explain, but it sounded sort of like if you noise reduced us while we were talking. Um, it happened mostly on Magellan's side for some wacky reason. And then it started happening on my side too, so it could have honestly been... I don't know, Skype somehow. It's a really weird it's really weird and not listenable at all. So I'm just gonna wrap up the episode here and summarize what we talked about. Uh, next week on Better Off Chats, we are watching, as Majan said, to the next two episodes. They are season two, episode eleven, Mess of a Salesman. Uh, Ted helps his brother get a job selling lab equipment. Veronica receives an award from a charity for girls that Viridian supports. 
And all I said there was, wow, Ted has a brother. And then uh, we're doing It's My Party and I Lie If I Want To, which is uh, season two, episode 12. Ted learns how to navigate the kid mafia after Rose is invited to a play date with Chet's daughter and Veronica's forced to find her own way into the club. And then both of us popped off very excitedly for more Chet content. Uh, then Magellan turned it over to the plug zone, which, uh, if you haven't heard an episode before, is basically the following. We have an email, which is chatspod at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D at gmail.com. We have a Twitter at chatspod if you'd like to get at us there. We have a fan-run community-made subreddit called reddit.com slash r slash chatspod. It's not really what it's called. It's how you get there. It's it's the chatspod subreddit. And uh, as always, we recommend people rate us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice to help us get the word out there. Then we did a whole big plug for our great and wonderful Patreon, which is patreon.com slash chatspod, which uh, you can at $3 a month get a big uh, backlog of content and vote on stuff and decide what we're going to listen to or watch or discuss in the upcoming months. Uh, Then we hyped up a recent episode, which was the Metric tier list, which I was extremely proud of because Metric is my favorite band. Um, and even at, at $5 a month, you get our eternal gratitude and, uh, our entire backlog, which has been now going for almost two years. It's pretty crazy to think our Patreon has, itself has been going for that long. Uh, and yeah, we just basically talked about that. And then finally our chat some segment, um, I'm going to do both our chat sums here. I went first and I recommended the anime Akudama Drive, uh, which is a, heist anime that I think has either artists or writers from the Danganronpa series uh, of, of like visual novels so if people are familiar with those it's kind of like that style of like characters that are named after their best quality uh, it's a bunch of cool criminals doing cool cyberpunky crimes um, it's very goofy and it's not very deep but it's very pretty and I, I enjoy it a lot it's a currently seasonally running anime so as of this release i think the last episode either just came out or is about to come out uh, in japanese and the dub is slowly being rolled out right now um, but it's a good anime and if you want something light i'm watching it like on the treadmill so it's my like cardio anime um, but it's really fun and i recommend it and then magellan's uh his chat some for this week was the video game and then he made a comment about it. yes i know it's another video game uh but it's cyberpunk 2077 which he's been enjoying a good amount even though we acknowledge the problems with that game's development and the labor issues and more and more stuff has been coming out about that as um even since we recorded this episode but he's still enjoying it for what it is despite the fact that uh it feels like it's hinting at ideas but not really committing to any themes which is something we complain about a lot on chats where it's just paying lip service to the ideas of cyberpunk but then it's just a game where you work with cops and beat up criminals sometimes um but he's still enjoying it a lot and thinks a lot of the uh emergent narrative stories that are in it are really cool um and he also specifically points people to a really great discussion of it from a recent episode of the waypoint radio podcast um the episode i don't remember the number exactly but uh they it's like the name cyberpunk 2077 is in the title it's from like two or three weeks ago they talked about it and it had some really good points about its politics, its ideas, without being too harsh on the game. Um, so it's a really good podcast and you should check it out. Uh, so that uh, was the chat sums. And then, uh, as usual, we say thank you. I thank Magellan. And uh, we should have this audio fixed next time, uh, especially because we're having a guest next week. That's a little secret teaser for you. Uh, and thank you so much, as always, for listening to Better Off Chats. Peace.